0: Welcome to the Center for Grassland Studies podcast series. I'm your host, Margo McHenry, Program Coordinator with the Center. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. John Goretzky, Associate Professor in Agronomy and Horticulture at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Our topic is cool season grasses. Welcome, Dr. Goretzky, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Now, introduced cool season grasses have become dominance on many Nebraska grasslands, including wetlands. Can you explain why that might be, please?
1: In part, their cool season grasses have become dominant on many Nebraska grasslands. Uh, they're well adapted here. So they're well adapted to the climate, uh, particularly the spring growing conditions. They, they emerge quickly in spring. when you know, when the temperatures are cool, when we have abundant precipitation. um, Those factors uh, have a big role in uh, the success of of cool season grasses. It allows them to be successful in terms of invading and establishing in different areas. The other aspect too is in new areas, new seeded areas, they're, they're generally less expensive to seed. And then they have a Uh, From a management perspective, they're they're fairly easy to manage. And then oftentimes what you'll see in in grasslands is a lot of heavy grazing pressure also would, particularly during summer periods, that would tend to favor cool season grasses to be uh, successful in, in Nebraska grassland.
0: Speaking of grazing, most of these introduced cool season grasses are high quality, productive, and palatable forage grasses. Why are there efforts to control the grasses or convert grasslands dominated by these types of grasses to native warm season grasses in Nebraska?
1: Yeah, so there's efforts to control these grasses, particularly if you think about some some of the areas I worked in, is with reed canary grass and. Uh, in different wetlands in, in Nebraska. Once it free canary grass, once it gets established and it's uh, essentially becomes dominant, just as, as you stated, Margo, it becomes dominant, meaning that it becomes almost almost like a, a monoculture where it's just a single species there. And when it's dominant, it's essentially taken over the area and then it supports limited uh, limited biodiversity in terms of there's limited other plant species limited uh, insect uh, diversity and limited animal diversity. And so that's undesirable from that aspect. Um, in thinking about maybe potential use of grasslands for wildlife habitat, it becomes poor. And, and with the, for instance, with the, with the wetland areas, uh, when it becomes dominant, a lot of uh, uh, birds need to use wetland habitats. And when sometimes those cool season grasses choke out, and reduce some of that standing water that they need, or abundance of forbs that produce a lot of seed that are important for wildlife. Then we also have uh, smooth brome grass that we often see in, in more drier environments than wetlands. They're more, and you think about more upland environments. Again, it once it becomes dominant, it can become almost like a monoculture where it's dominant by itself. I think that's probably one of the principal those reasons is because they they support limited biodiversity.
0: Now, if we go back and look at grazing, why is grazing livestock a common tool used to realize this conversion from cool season invasive grasses to the native warm season grasses? One, well,
1: grazing managers are used to use working with, with grazing animals, for instance, cattle. They're used to working with them and they know how to manage them. They know how to, to manage the animal. And it's often, in terms of managing with grazing to realize this conversion or maybe to control cool season grasses more. managers can control particularly the intensity of grazing so intensity meaning how much removal of vegetation there is through, through animal consumption or just trampling of the of that live uh, grass. they can control that intensity and also control managers can control the timing of the timing of when grazing occurs particularly, if trying to target cool season grasses you're going to want to graze there early spring and then uh so that timing aspect and then the frequency say if you are some producers do do more rotations and so the frequency would be how often those uh those pastures or those areas of grass get grazed so whether seasonally or or across time so across years so
0: okay thank you Now, I understand you've conducted a considerable amount of research of grazing on managing for cool season and warm season grasses. I have two questions about that. What have you found in converting reed canary grass dominated wetlands to mixtures of warm season grasses and other native plants?
1: Once those stands become dominant, with reed canary grass, yeah, particularly in a wetland environment, it's incredibly difficult to convert it to native warm season grasses, or even diverse stands of plant species. It takes a lot of years of uh, heavy grazing pressure on that reed canary grass to, uh, to be able to control it or, or reduce its dominance. Particularly the timing of grazing is, is important. If you're gonna control a grass like reed canary grass, you're going to want to graze early in spring and throughout, really throughout the spring period. Now, if it's a dominated by reed canary grass, there's oftentimes little warm season grasses. So, if there's no warm season grasses present in that environment, they're not necessarily going to come in. Oftentimes, that may require some seeding in those type of environments. If you can't graze reed canary grass, the other option is uh is to potentially harvest it, harvest it for hay. But again, that'd be during the spring period where you allow that spring growth to grow up and then cut it and harvest it for hay. But otherwise you're going to want to graze it pretty heavily throughout the spring and then almost essentially avoid grazing during summer and then come back during the fall period and graze it again once uh once the temperatures get cool again and warms after if you have some warm season grasses there. Uh, to graze it after, after those warm season grasses have, are into seed production phase.
0: So the second part of that question is, what have you found then when converting smooth brome grass pastures to native warm season tall grass dominated pastures in eastern Nebraska?
1: Yeah, so with smooth brome grass, uh, similar, similar dominant as reed canary grass, but more in a drier environment. Again, Smooth brome grass moving more into a drier upland type environment. In effect, for native warm season grasses and native plant species have probably can have a little bit better competitive success against smooth brome grass than say reed canary grass. Again, with regard to using grazing, that would be timing grazing throughout that spring period. So that'd be you know late April through through part of June. And then after that, if you have native warm season grasses and native plant species, I would avoid grazing throughout July, August, and even into the September timeframe until after. So basically with warm season grasses, you're going to want to avoid grazing them while they're in a elongation stage through essentially until they're in a seed production stage. After that, then you could come back and, and graze those pastures environments again.
0: Thank you. Now, is there anything else that you'd like to add on this topic of cool season grasses as we get ready to close out this session?
1: Yeah, one other point too with with grazing. uh, If you say if you have a say mixtures of cool season plants and warm season plants, those would be easier to shift to warm season grasses than if you had just completely dominant stands of reed canary grass or smooth bone grass. So with those mix sands, as I said, avoid grazing that summer period, but if you're grazing all season long, it would be recommended that you change up your your pasture rotations each year, so you're not always grazing the plants at the at their same growth time um, year after year. so that that's probably the big thing is uh, uh, last point to add there is change up your rotations. Uh, particularly on if you have uh, those mixed stands of uh, cool season plants or cool season grasses and native warm season grasses. which you can find in some areas of Nebraska, for instance, the Lust Hills is a type of environment where you might have that. So, but, you know, going back to the big question of, of wetlands or where you have these reed canary grass dominated stands, oftentimes you're not going to have warm season grasses to begin with. So you're just going to want to keep heavy grazing pressure on there until you can get some of them native grasses worked in or into the, into the environment. Because if you don't have them, oftentimes, even with smooth brome grass, if, essentially if you're going to overgraze the two of those, uh, reed canary grass or smooth brome grass, if you don't have native plant species, don't have native grasses in that environment, you're going to essentially, you're going to promote maybe more annual plants, maybe annual. Weedy grasses or forbs that may not be desirable and would would essentially provide less uh, less forage value as well. So,
0: so grazing is obviously something that folks are going to want to pay attention to when they're dealing with both of those types of grasses for sure. Yes. Okay. Again, thank you for joining me. I appreciate your discussion this morning. I will mention that Dr. Goretzky will be speaking more about this topic when he makes a presentation at the Nebraska Grazing Conference taking place August 9, 10, and 11 in Kearney, Nebraska. To learn more about the conference or to register, go to grassland.unl.edu. Thank you for listening.